Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So excited to be back. It's been a really busy uh, month. A lot of challenges, a lot of growth, a lot of learning, a lot of humility, and ready for September. Today is September 1st, so hello, September. If you've been coming to here to listen to our podcast, welcome back. If you're new, welcome to ADHD's Over. Thank your friends and family for uh, pointing you towards us because we really appreciate that. It is all word to mouth, mostly word to mouth. And we're so excited that we have close to 1,500 listeners a week from around the world. Super excited. It's taken a while. Definitely it's taken a while. And thanks to our amazing podcast guests, the experts that I've been able to interview. Thanks to all the parents, the adults that have come on to the show to share their personal story of recovery, if you will. So just thank you, thank you, thank you. And also, if you're a parent and you have a child that has been diagnosed with this so-called disorder, currently known as ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, just want to acknowledge you for the work you're putting into uh, not only yourself, but also your family. The awareness, right, that it takes to question the mainstream narrative. And it always sounds so conspiracy theory to say that nowadays. Whenever someone says, well, I'm just questioning the mainstream narrative, they're quickly labeled as a conspiracy theorist or as a far right or whatever. We, we just love to put people in these buckets. All I'm saying here is I'm here to say, look, I acknowledge you for the awareness that it takes to question anything that you, the parent, don't resonate with. That's all it is. Ultimately in life, there's going to be moments that don't, you know, experiences that don't resonate with us. And we're the ultimate, we have the ultimate say. We're the guardian of our, of our boundaries, of our energy field. And we can say, no, not right now. That doesn't feel good. Maybe two months later, you're okay with it. But we're so quickly to judge people who swim against the stream, the mainstream, and who say no or question it. And usually months later, when one of these so-called conspiracy theories, you know, they come true, no one actually apologizes or takes responsibility that they judged someone for being ahead of the curve, for questioning the norm, right? We just move on. We just go to the next event and we go, oh, if you question that, then you're this or this or this. But I love people who question the norm, who question the mainstream narrative. It's just questioning. Ultimately, we are our own authority to make decisions and choices. I know that many people, and especially our society or the leaders of our society, want us to believe that, oh, we need to protect you from making the wrong choices because you're not a smart adult. Look, not all humans are created equal. Not all adults have the same high-level IQ. But 
lots of adults who may score a little lower on the IQ score high on the EQ, the emotional intelligence or fitness, as I like to say. So either way, who are we, you, I, me, them, who are we humans to sort of self-appoint us as the protector of other people's decisions, choices, lives, outcomes, consequences? No. We, I'm assuming, once you're 18 or 21 or once you consider yourself an adult, you're an adult. You now have authority, autonomy to make your own choices and decisions. I don't need somebody else, especially the government or so-called experts, to come tell me that they need to protect me from myself making the wrong decision. Let me make the wrong decision. That's how I learn. Let me make choices that maybe I'll regret. That's how we learn. That's how we calibrate our intuition. So just wanted to say that, that I'm just very... uh, grateful that you're here and I acknowledge you for being someone who's that aware, who listens to what we talk about here, uh, whether it's myself doing an episode or with a guest, and who lets it resonate, and then if it fits, who tries it on, and if it doesn't fit, who takes it off and moves on, right? But if it fits and you resonate with what you hear, please share it with your friends and family members, with anyone you think this might make a difference with, right? That said, um, in August, we had our first ADHD is over Zoom session. And I just loved doing it. It was, it was just, it warmed my heart to see people show up. This was on August 19th on our Zoom, on our first Zoom session and listen in to see what we're about and engage in a dialogue. You know, we gave people the opportunity to share what they're struggling with, you know, if they wanted to share. And it was just a beautiful, I call it a beautiful beginning. It's a seed right now, right? And so we're going to have another uh, Zoom session in September. Most likely it'll be right at the end of September. Uh, We're eyeing September 30th. That should be kind of set in stone in the next week. And we'll send an email out to everybody who's uh, signed up to get uh, updates. Who just entered their email on our website, ADHDsover.com. And in September, we are going to have a surprise expert. Now, it's not going to be a surprise once the email goes out. It is a surprise now. Uh, But he's a published author around uh, ADHD, a researcher. And he has so much to contribute. I've I've been fortunate enough to have had several conversations with him around ADHD. He's also a father of a son who was diagnosed with ADHD and that sent him off just like myself into a sent him on a deep, you know, long research journey. And I'm excited once it's confirmed to announce who our special guest uh, is on the September Zoom session for ADHD is over. So more on that soon. Okay, let's dive in, shall we? It's not a deficit. You know, when we look at the, 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 you know, ADHD, those four letters, the second D stands for deficit. What kind of deficit? Attention deficit. Oh, you mean this child, this brain has not enough firepower, intelligence, wiring, whatever you want to call it, to pay enough attention to be a functional citizen. So therefore, it's an attention deficit. Well, That's been a narrative and still is a narrative. I talk to people weekly, daily almost with ADHD. You throw a stone, throw a rock. I forgot what the saying is. 
and I do this every day, I meet people with ADHD or have children with ADHD or recovering from ADHD, recovering from ADHD medication, da, 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 those four letters ADHD in my world every day make me meet interesting people. And I have friends, I have consultants, we have collaborators on our project that send us um, you know, information, links, and so forth. And recently a friend of mine had sent me an Instagram post um, and it was by a biologist, a human biologist named Gary Brecka. And I'm going to um, put some links in the show notes so you guys can check it out for yourself. You can see the videos I'm talking about. Gary Brecka, just so you know, is a, uh, he's the co-founder of 10X Health System out of Florida. He's a biohacker and he's a human biologist with uh, more, more than 20 years of biohacking and functional medicine experienced. Now, he's also, and he says this on his website, he's obsessed with the function and performance of the human body and finding innovative ways to help people achieve absolute peak function in their bodies. Uh, obviously, at some point, he came across uh, ADHD, right? And what Gary said in one of his videos that inspired me to do this podcast, this episode, is that it's not a deficit of attention that people who struggle uh, with these behaviors, I call them behaviors, not symptoms, deal with. So he said, and I've heard this before, and I'll elaborate on that and where I came across it the first time. He said that it's not that these people don't have the attention span or attention or can't give attention. It's not that they have a deficit. It's actually that they're taking in too much information and they have a hard time dealing, processing, assessing, right, all this information. So it's not a deficit. It's an overload is what Gary Brecka talks about. He has another video where he talks about that, you know, the mind is always busy not just creating thoughts, but also dismantling thoughts. What does he mean by that? Well, thoughts that come into your mind often have to be analyzed, dismantled, right? They're not always creative thoughts. They're just thoughts that they could be responses to the environment that what's happening in your life, right? So again, there's an overload of just thinking. Now he says, and I love what he says, he says when, you know, we look at these kids and I talk about kids right now because our focus really is families with children who have been diagnosed, right? So you look at these kids, they don't have a deficit of attention, but there's an overload, right, of information coming in. And what the mainstream medical approach or psychological psychiatric, psychiatric approach then is, is to give these people amphetamines, drugs that, in essence, speed up your brain's function to match the amount of information coming in so it can keep up with processing it. And if you look at this, if you're like me, if you visualize a brain who is, has so much coming in that it goes into overload and has a hard time, quote unquote, focusing or processing, and then we give it a stimulant, right? These are stimulant medications for the brain to match that, that sort of amount, that load of information coming in, that's intense, right? That's an intense, uh, you could say that's an overload on the brain's wiring, firing, all this stuff that's happening in your brain, right? That's why there's so many side effects and so many kids react differently to different medications. And it's, 
it's a real risky thing to do. And again, if you've heard us talk about this before, we're not anti-meds. We're anti how they're used and when they're used and for how long they're used and, and what they contain, right? There's a place for what I refer to as Western medicine. Yes, of course. I would say in a nutshell, to simplify it, is when there's an emergency. It's not an emergency for a child that has ADHD to go through life for a young child. That's not an emergency. Now, it's presented to us that way by all the experts who say, well, if you don't medicate your child now at six, when he's starting school, he's going to become a degenerate and he's going to struggle and he's going to do drugs and go to jail. That's literally the dialogue or the narrative out there. We've heard that from the school that seven years ago told us our son needed to be medicated. I've heard it from hundreds of parents by now. Similar threats, similar doomsday right, sort of prophecies were given to parents. Well, that creates an emergency in the parent, right? That creates an urgency, emergency. But these strong medications are only for real emergencies. It is not an emergency to have a child that has these type of behaviors at a young age. They can be outgrown. They can be outgrown. I've seen it not only with our own son. I've heard from other parents who've done it. It does go away, contrary to what the mainstream uh, narrative wants us to believe. So, Gary Brecka, to me, pointed at something very important. Now, he doesn't go into detail the way I like to go into detail, because I've had the fortune to interview Tom Hartman, who got us started on this uh, movement. This is a shout out to Tom. Tom is a brilliant thinker who came up with the hunter versus farmer theory back in the day when his own son got diagnosed and he started researching deep, deep, deep into the rabbit hole, right? And he basically said, look, it's a kind of genetic adaptation of, of our brain, of our human operating system from the hunter uh, times, right? And look, I'm not an expert, so I may kind of, I'm going to paraphrase and I'll probably butcher some things, but I'm, I'm pretty well versed in the overall picture of what uh, Tom paints and what I now believe as well as part of, part of our theory is that hunters back in the day, um, mostly were male. There were some female hunters, you know, we've, we've heard about recent archeological, um, diggings and findings that there were definitely female hunters and absolutely there were but the majority was still a male almost correlates with the diagnoses rate between males and females uh, around adhd pretty close so imagine you're a young hunter and you've been kind of prepared you know as much as you could as they the elders could prepare you in your tribe and you're going out for the first time on a hunt with the adults who've done this before, right? Perhaps they put on some, some paint on your face so that you can hide better behind bushes. You get a spear. Whatever tribe, whatever time you were alive in, right? Picture a young hunter, a tribal member, going out for the very first time on a hunt. Now, you know shit's going to come your way. You know, they've told you there's going to be animals that want to eat you. There's going to be, you know, you have to you have to run, you have to hide, you have to jump up on a tree. If it's this animal, that animal, 
certain animals you can't outrun, you have to be quiet, you have to be loud, right? You, you were prepared. You were in the classroom of the tribe getting prepared. But now you're out there, first time. You're on the hunt, right? And that moment when the very first, let's just take a saber-tooth tiger, or let's just take a tiger, right, for simplicity. This tiger comes rushing at you or the first time you hear its roar or you see its face and you see a similar concern on the adult hunters' faces. Now, they've faced animals before. They've fought them before. They've killed them. They've survived, right, if they're still there. At the same time, nobody, I don't care how much experience you have with hunting, will stand there, smile calmly, and deal with a tiger. No. Everyone tenses up. Everyone gets into defense mode, right? So the energy around you is intense. The tiger roar is intense. The visual of the tiger, the thought of dying, all of it hits that young person. And here's what happens in that moment. And this has been by biologists and scientists proven to be the case. I'm going to word it slightly different because that's just how I am. I like my own metaphors. In that moment, something in the human operating system gets activated that wasn't that previously activated, that hadn't been previously activated. So imagine a software, you're using a software with many plugins, and it's the first time you're going to use a plugin, right? So if you were to analyze that software later, or the computer, or the history of what you did, there would be a clear moment, a clear point in time when it shows that that plugin was activated and used. And it's very similar in our operating system. As a human being, we have certain things until we use them, they're dormant. It's a dormant skill is what I call it. So that skill called survival, and I'm going to go a little deeper into it. It's not just a survival skill that itself Obviously, we all have built in, right? We don't want to die. So we shut down certain organs and certain functions in our body so that the most needed, right? The most needed responses and organs and blood and muscles can be used to survive, to defend, right? But it goes a little deeper. So what happens in that moment when that dormant operating system skill gets activated in that young hunter's being, right, in that moment, what actually gets activated is a sort of a sub-plugin. And that sub-plugin is the ability to take in more information in that moment. In other words, yes, you have to focus on uh, defending yourself in the moment and maybe you run and maybe you just focus on, on uh, surviving in that moment, right? But what gets activated simultaneously that you may not use in that very moment, but that you will use moving forward from this day on, is a sort of a red flag mechanism. In other words, whenever in the future after this incident, given that the young hunter survives, let's just say in our story, he survives. Yay, he made it. Woo, he's a strong young man. He survived, right? He celebrated, he survives. He feels proud. He feels like, oh my God, I freaking survived a tiger. We brought food back to the village. I'm a fucking man, right? Hits on the chest. Awesome, right? 
Now, when he goes out hunting again, say in the next week or the next few days, he goes out again. His operating system is no longer the same as it was a few days ago when that incident happened. His operating system has now this plugin and a sub plugin that allow him to take in more information at any given moment to better assess if he or she is safe, right? You see this a lot in um, soldiers that come back from war that have so-called PTSD, and I love how the armed forces got rid of the D who call it PTS because it's not a disorder. See, they're ahead of us. They're ahead of us. Somehow they are allowed to do that. If I did that or we did that and said it's not a disorder, you know how much, you know how much heat I've gotten from people that it's not a disorder? Anyway, different topic. But we see this in uh, soldiers that come back from war who have PTS, post-traumatic stress disorders. We call it, they don't, which is great. And you see them, and I've heard this before, there's a famous story where a soldier would say, if I go into a bar now or into a restaurant or into any public place, I know where to strategically place myself so that I can see the front door, I can see who walks in, I can see where the exit door is, the windows, all that stuff, right? Why do they do that? The first answer is always like, well, I need to be in control. I need to be able to see in case somebody comes in, in with a gun, an active shooter, or in case something, right? Because again, they have been exposed to extreme violence and, and you know, a shock to their system that in this case, because they're back, they survived. But now the same plugin that I mentioned, the survival plugin with the sub plugin of taking in more information to assess any given situation, the same has been activated with them. So they don't want to die, right? So they want to be sitting at a place in a restaurant where they have the most control. Well, yes, it's control, but again, it's about taking in as much information that they possibly can so their mind can start working on, it's like a computer, right? Can start processing the sort of chess-like strategy thinking of like, well, if somebody walks in there, then I can jump under this table and I can probably hide over there where these people are and then I could get out of the exit there and go get my gun from the car. You know, that's literally, that's what's happening in a lot of uh, veterans' heads daily, right? And it's not necessarily a conscious or always, you know, something that they're aware of, but it's been activated in their, in their brains and their minds, right? And so I just wanted to compare that because Tom Hartman also talks about how it's not a disorder. It's actually a skill that these hunters developed, whereas the farmers who stayed back in the village who planted the crops and then harvested them, you know, it's a very repetitive, almost predictable kind of uh, uh, routine that they would go through. Now, in that case, you have all the given information you need from you know, the weather to your land, to the seeds, to your help that you have along with you and so forth. Now, I know it's a little bit less predictable today with weather changes and so forth. But for the most part, farming was a very predictable uh, uh, sort of, you know, skill, if you will, or, or trade. So a farmer that was had never been threatened like a like a hunter has just still had this this uh 
the skill, if you will, a part of their operating system was still dormant because they, they just didn't need to use it. But a hunter had to use it to survive. So that's kind of the background. And so if you look at it that way, it's not a deficit. Most people would say, oh, then it's a superpower. Sure, you can call it that. I don't like to use that word. I don't like to use these what I call new hype words like it's your superpower, you know, or you're neurodiverse, you know, it's like, well, yeah, we're all neurodiverse. We all have superpowers. It depends what you choose to focus on. And, you know, I just don't like to call it a superpower because in a way, when we hear that word, it's like, yeah, I know you're just trying to diminish the impact that the negative term ADHD has or mental disorder or whatever. And therefore you're like, yeah, yes, but it's a superpower. No, let's just for a minute here, bear with me, throw it out. It's not a superpower. It's a skill. It's not a deficit. But I think we should celebrate anyone who's had the pleasure to have that survival skill activated to go from dormant to active in their operating system. Because these people, I include myself in that, my son as well, we can take in more information at any given time. Guess what? I, I'm a good director. I'm a good sort of coach and psychologist and analyzer. And so is my son. I already can see he's, he takes in so much information and processes it, right? The goal is for us parents to help our children to balance that, that, that brain from getting stuck in overdrive. And like I always say, the nervous system is in defense mode, right? Because what happens, and this is biologically proven scientifically, when a hunter in that case, when you get threatened, right, where your survival is threatened and you go into this like mode of like having to take in more information and process it, your nervous system goes into the what's called um, the sympathetic mode, which is defense, which is, you know, stressful. And it has a hard time returning back into its sort of natural resting state, which is the parasympathetic mode. So our job as guides, as parents, is to help our children to find natural alternative ways to calm them down. We don't want them to get rid of that skill. A lot of children, or I should say adults, who were medicated for many years and who finally got off the medication said that they were way more creative way more present in life, way more fulfilled. Well, why? Because the medication actually, even though it seemed like they were calming down and now they're at school paying attention, they were kind of like zombies, like robots. They kind of just became average again and they lost their not only uniqueness, but they lost their ability to turn on or off this amazing skill that many directors, many artists, many psychologists, many people who need or who, who love analyzing data quickly and who love seeing the patterns and the connections in life, right? They use that skill. So you could say, sure, it's their superpower, but any human being has the ability to turn that on. A lot of us, we don't actually choose when that gets turned on, right? Some incident that happens during our lifetime and in our environment will turn it on for us, right? Usually. So look, if you're someone who doesn't, who's hasn't had any traumas that way, or who feels like you're not uh, someone who, you know, who has that skill turned on, that's okay too. It might still happen. Or maybe you're meant to be more of a farmer. What I mean by that is 
We need both. We need farmers and hunters. We need accountants who can sit there and who are more predictable with numbers than a, than a I can't do accounting. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hunter. I'm constantly out there. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm creating. I'm connecting. I'm moving, you know. But when it comes to accounting for our taxes, for our real estate, and for our companies, you bet I'm hiring the best accountants, and those accountants are farmers. And I don't want to generalize and, you know, judge, but most of the accountants, most people who have these more predictable jobs, and trust me, I, our accountants love accounting. They love what they do. They celebrate it. It's what they breathe, right? But we need both. We need to collaborate, both hunters and farmers. And that was kind of uh, uh, Tom Hartman's theory that, you know, if, if, if you uh, or your son or daughter has been diagnosed with the so-called dis disorder ADHD, simply means that the jobs most likely that, that your son or daughter will have are more likely to be somewhere in the hunter world of less predictable, um, more like sales jobs, creative jobs, jobs that are not as mundane. And I don't say mundane as a judgment because for an accountant who loves accounting, it's anything but mundane. But to a, to a hunter, that job would be mundane. To me, it is, right? So it's just a matter of finding our, our track, our own path, right? Helping our children to find that, that path that, that we guide them on, right? We don't push them down a path. But look, if you see that your child is, try, is trying out for certain jobs that are definitely farmer jobs and, and he or she's a hunter, you may want to nudge them and say, well, let's try something different. Let's go into forestry. Like, or maybe you love filmmaking or maybe you want to be a psychologist. or wh whatever, whatever it is that we can expose our kids to that I would say are more um, hunter type of jobs versus farmer. And I highly encourage you to look up Tom Hartman and his books. I don't have any short notes right now to, to I'll, I'll put some notes in the show link as well. Uh, he has several books on that, not just on that, on his theory, but also that talk about what kind of jobs might be better for somebody who, who's been labeled with ADHD, right? So I just wanted to say again, this is Gary Brecka, the human biologist, as well as Tom Hartman with the Hunter Farmer Theory. To me, it's all connected, right? It's not a deficit because we've heard it so many times. Well, you know, well, my son, my daughter, they, yeah, he, he can definitely focus when he's playing video games. And then the other side will say, well, yeah, well, yeah, video games is addictive and it's so exciting. And so that's not life. Well, both have a point, right? First of all, yes, your son or daughter have the ability to focus when they choose to, when something is exciting, right? So it's never a deficit. It can't be labeled as a deficit because that's just not true. That's the wrong word. It's not a deficit. Gary Brecka calls it more of an overload. Sure, we could call it attention overload disorder, attention overload, you know, AOHD, whatever. Again, that's staying within the world, world of labels, and I do not support that. But you could, right? And he's got a point. And the other side would say, well, yeah, video games are so exciting and dopamine and it's addictive. And of course, life isn't going to be like that all the time. True. Absolutely true. We need to balance also how many hours of video games our children play and so forth, right? Totally agree. But there's something to be said that when, when you find a middle road, right, when we make education more interesting for our children, 
and it doesn't stay boring and antiquated, right? Children will pay more attention. When parents start to transform their own traumas and heal themselves, right, children will feel more connected to their parents, might act out less, might be less stressed, right? Nervous system calms down, less hyperactive, right? If we change the diet, right, children's bodies will react differently. Children will be calmer when we don't have these agitations, these these uh, uh, foods that don't work for a particular human being, whether it's gluten, food color, plastics, all the stuff. Look, I recently saw an amazing video, and this is related, but sort of not related. So the not related part is it had to do with uh, viruses and COVID, but how it's very relatable to me and ADHD when I saw it is that this doctor was saying, we're so focused on bacteria and viruses that supposedly, I don't have the facts, was made up back then um, when the Rockefellers created the medical system. We needed a bad guy, right? That virus, that bacteria. And look, there are there are bacterias. But when you make a bacteria or something in our, in our body a virus, it becomes an enemy, right? It becomes the bad guy. And whether you believe it or not, the next part is important here, is that he was saying, we think this happens because of a virus or a bacteria. And he says, sure, that may agitate your body. But he says, what we're, what we're actually throwing out and don't consider. And then he goes into this rant of like 50 items. And I don't even remember all the items. He says, you know, obesity, eating the wrong foods, alcohol, drugs, stress, uh, plastics, um, pollution, vaccines, heavy metals, right? He goes into 50 things and basically makes the point that um, all of that affects your body. And yes, when you get a virus or a bacteria and something happens and you die, then it's like, oh, you had that virus. At the same time, you probably had the exposure to 45 of those 50 things. And we just don't think that that has anything to do with it, right? And so I'm here to say, and the same goes for ADHD. Everything matters. Your son or daughter might be allergic to gluten. Then it affects the brain function, right? They might have gut problems because of what they're eating. Maybe they eat too much junk food or they're eating soda, uh, too much sugar. Absolutely, right? All these things that we have to consider as well. We can't just say, oh, well, it's genetic and there's nothing I can do. That's absolute, excuse my French, it's not even French, excuse my English slang of bullshit. Because it's not genetic, it's not a disorder, it's not a chemical imbalance, at least not the way they present it. Our, our brain is always in or out of balance. It's just part of life with what we eat, what we subject ourselves to, our traumas, what happens in every any given moment. There's always imbalances. No one's ever stuck there unless you're taking pharmaceuticals constantly, then you are definitely imbalancing your brain. So people with ADHD medication taking it daily actually have an imbalance now. So it's just all twisted. And look, there's many truths to both sides. But when one side is presented as the only truth, that's when I, my resonance says like, mm, something's fishy here. And I know that's why a lot of you are here. That's why a lot of you listen to this podcast. And I'm glad you are aware, you trust your intuition. And when it doesn't resonate, 
that you continue digging, you continue questioning, and you continue looking for what's right for your child, right? That's why we do this. Anyway, I know that was a long rant. It's not a deficit. So if your son doesn't have a deficit, if your daughter doesn't have a deficit, and if your child is no longer that hyperactive, well, then do you still have a disorder, right? Because you have enough attention. That's now scientifically, biologically proven. It's not a deficit. It's actually an overload. And then if your child eventually growing older no longer has hyperactivity, well, then you don't have a disorder. It's canceled. Done. Sorry. Right? But we're told, no, 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 this is for life. You have to take medication for life or you won't be able to function. So, again, just shedding some light on this. Um, If your child has been diagnosed with ADHD recently, or if you're thinking of getting a diagnosis, please download our ADHD is over diagnosis survival guide on our website at ADHDisover.com. It's a free PDF that you can download. There's been some issues and we still don't know why. It's been weird. I'm not saying there's anything shady going on, but once in a while, the PDF download is just offline, just won't work. And then it magically comes back. So I'm not sure. If that's the case, just email us through the website. Go to ADHDisover.com. Email me that you would like to get the free PDF, the ADHD Diagnosis Survival Guide. Because trust me, when our son was diagnosed or we had him diagnosed, I I was just looking back. I wish somebody may, would have made a document or was available for us to download at the time. I would have paid money for it. Because all the stuff that is in our PDF, I do believe would have given us so much hope and would have calmed us down quite a bit. And you know it's a shock to your own system, parents, right? It's one of those life events that um, you will remember forever, right alongside a wedding or a loss of a loved one or a divorce or buying a house, right? It's a big event. It's a big event. And we are here to support you going through this, if that's what you're going through or your friend or a family member is. And you can always reach out. Uh, through our website as well. Uh, We are soon, most likely in the new year, going to open up some free um, coaching sessions, which means probably once or twice a week for an hour, we're going to create a Calendly where I will be available for anyone to book themselves for a free hour uh, coaching or just getting feedback, getting thoughts, ideas, or even just if you want to just for an hour just share how stressful it is, what you're going through, whatever. I'm here to listen. I'm passionate about it. And so I'll let you know about that. As well as what I said at the beginning of this episode, we're going to have a September ADHDs over Zoom session with a special expert guest that I'm so excited to announce. I'm going to talk to this expert this weekend. We're going to lock it in. And I guarantee you so much value from the conversation we're going to be having around ADHD and medication. So that said, hey, it's not a deficit. It is not a deficit. At, at most, it's an overload. And as parents, that we can help. We can help our children to calm down and train them to have their minds approach these overload periods, you know, with, with a calm, 
focus-centered, grounded wisdom and behaviors. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hope to have you back soon to our podcast, ADHD is Over. Have a fantastic day. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.